The Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media, and with me is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. Seasons are changing. Seasons, so, that yeah. is enough of so, that. Our guest today is Renee Penny, a conservation specialist with the Kalkaska Conservation District. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for being here. Of course. This is a really fun topic of conversation. And as we were talking ahead of time, this is your first podcast, but you are experienced in talking about this publicly and on television. So this should be pretty easy. Uh, yeah, very easy. I think so. That's fantastic. So kind of simply, for those who are unaware, what does the Kalkaska Conservation District do and what about that draws you in? Yeah, so the Conservation District, we are actually a local unit of government. We service Kalkaska County. There are 75 conservation districts throughout the state, actually. And our sole purpose and goal is to work with private landowners and empower them to be active land managers, whether it be the woods and waters or supporting pollinators in their backyard. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what's the elevator pitch of that? I know it's a tough one because we do so much. So to try yeah. to boil it down, it's really difficult. But we're there for the private landowner of whatever their concern is of what is this tree or bug or how do I put a garden in? Which Just is kinda... so important in the area that we live in. Absolutely. And I yeah. think vital to us. So Kalkaska, Michigan, mm -hmm. population 2,200 people as mm -hmm. of maybe last year. I think Kalkaska is at the forefront of a lot of things that maybe people aren't aware of, but would you mm -hmm. say that Kalkaska is at the forefront in your area or does some catching up need to happen? We are doing pretty well, actually. Kalkaska is the home of three different headwaters, the Boardman River, Manistee River, and Rapid River. So we work with a lot of those landowners, but then throughout this whole state and conservation districts, we are doing a lot of unique things that other districts aren't. So one of the main things are we were one of the first few conservation districts to get a local millage to give us our base operational funding. Wow. Um, I think we were like maybe number seven or kind of less than 10. We were in that, that starting range. So we do have four-year millage that allows our operational funds. And then we do grants to kind of fill in the gaps and do some extra projects. Right. Well, that's a topic that comes up pretty frequently on this show actually is grants and grant writing and how unique a skill that is, how I think sometimes in demand it is. So how does that dynamic work with your organization? Most of the grants we apply for are either local or regional. There are some state grants that we've gone for depending on how large of a project. Our district though, Kalkaska, we're just kind of building our staff and capacity back up that probably 10, 20 years ago were very active. There was a lot of state funding for various river projects and things. And then as pools of funds dried up, kind of the interest in organization changed, things in dwindled. So now we're kind of building back up that capacity and have our eyes on some larger grants and projects to look for those funding opportunities. Wow. But you need somebody to to be hunting for those things, yeah. right? Like It could be a full-time job, just grant searching and writing for and, sure. And many times thankless probably, right? Mm -hmm. Like how yeah. do you stay inspired when 
you have obstacles in your way, and even as a leader in your organization. Yeah, the obstacles are challenging and frustrating, but kind of keeping your eye on the end goal and the community that you work within and how the community will benefit from it, that's the ultimate reward in the end of seeing it get used, even though you put in how many hundreds of hours grant writing and editing and finally submitting it within an hour of its deadline kind of a thing. Is it more fun when you just wait until an hour? Is that what you're saying? Because I see this smile, but there's pain behind it. Pressure is a good motivator sometimes. Yeah, there's a quote from the episode. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, But, you know, ultimately you write your first draft, you let your eyes rest on it, you go back and then you wait for others to add in and kind of goes back and forth. And so sometimes it's right up into the wire because you're waiting on one little bit of information to plug it in and submit. So it's not always a comfortable place to be, but... So hopefully everybody out there is listening to the grant writer in your life. If you're Mm -hmm. not giving them enough attention and love, please reconsider Mm -hmm. that absence. So you have a BA in conservation leadership from Lake Superior State University. And even during school, you hustled really hard Mm -hmm. with a lot of extracurriculars and field research positions, things like that. Is this a pursuit that you've had since the beginning? You know, what was the inspiration that got this passion going? I always knew I wanted to work in the outdoors somehow. At first, I really thought I wanted to be a vet. And then I realized all the blood and guts that comes with that (laughs) and uh, decided strongly against it. Knowing I love being outside, my heart is happiest when I'm in the middle of the woods. So I figured let's pursue an option with that and kind of different courses and field projects that I've done helping others discover their sense of place in the woods or near water. And so that kind of started the career of maybe conservation districts are a good role for that because we do a lot of projects with the private landowners and then also just getting people outside in nature and being comfortable and inspired by it. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Hearing you, I I wish sometimes this was an indoor-outdoor studio. I'd want to be outside. So your school known for wildlife management, environmental studies. It seems really perfectly suited for what you want to do, but what is there about LSSU that isn't well known? Like big party school, great cafeteria. What's something that people don't know? There's a polar bear in the entry of, uh, I forget the building now, but the science building that someone had donated. So that was really cool to see every day. The first summer it went in, was definitely a little alarming to go through the big double doors and then kind of look to the side of, oh, there's a polar bear now there. Okay, and you kind of live with it and nice. stop and check it out every day in between bear. classes. So. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. probably a viral thing, hashtag it, the it might polar be. bear. Yeah. And the Lakers, do you follow the Lakers? I don't anymore, actually. How is that um, a name? How is that not trademarked? There's school, the, the team, they're sporting the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I think, well, Grand Valley and yeah, Lake Gra- Superior State. Lake yeah, Superior really? There's State a lot more Lakers, the Lakers too? There, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is just devaluing that big franchise there. Definitely You mean the one that's in the desert? (laughs) Those Lakers? That's a good point. Wow. Well, we just started another podcast. But you you have held (laughs) positions like restoration technician, arborist, ecological restoration, and you had this slight detour working for the city of Ann Arbor at one point. But how have you managed to just stay the course for anybody else listening professionally following a passion some of it field positions was just following what opportunity was there season by season but knowing i wanted to stay outdoors and in this realm so it was a lot of hard work there were a lot of applications that went out at some times and some 
kind of lucked out of timing that we were able to do a paid position rather than volunteer work. I mean, I certainly did a lot of volunteer work throughout the time and just yeah. networking and getting to know people. So it worked out really well to be able to stay in the natural world, but also at various conferences of people you work with for a season that you would never expect to see again. Three years later, I found them at a conference and we're kind of looking at each other across the room like, I think I know you. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know you. And by the way, like, are you? And then you, like, you finally find the name Taylor or something. They're like, oh, yeah. And kinda... Is that a good default name to go with? Taylor? Maybe it's a good one. I don't know. It, it really was. Like, there really a was. A gentleman like, or a lady. It could be either. Taylor So that. is a default. But yeah. it, what's your go-to? I don't have one. And I'm just realizing yeah. it may be Taylor now. It could yeah. be. Because it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Well, it, it was a, Taylor was the specific instance for me that oh, I actually okay. inter- interviewed with their organization and years later, saw him at a conference and ended up he's working for a conservation right. district now. So. so you said something interesting, and I think people should take note, is networking. Grow mm-hmm. your personal network, grow your little empire, mm-hmm. and that served you well and kept you mm-hmm. on that particular path. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. So fire science. Yeah. You've been a part of it, managed prescribed fires, been part of a fire burn crew tell us more yeah i mean we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this because i'm terrified by what you may say (laughs) no Uh, but maybe demystify that because that is a valid part of what you need to do yeah that particular job i was working with the nature conservancy that i realized it was part of the job description but i didn't realize the seasonality of it because it's like well prescribed fire can be a really useful land management tool However, if fuel loads build up too much, then it becomes a lot riskier. And we know this, the wildfires in various parts of the country that have gotten way out of control. Mm -hmm. So by doing the prescribed burns, oak savannas, that type of landscape thrives on fire. And the native plants do so much better. So using it as a regular tool can really keep that ecosystem in check and keep down some of the invasive plants and keep the whole balance of the system. So you could see it in a really cool way. So the fire, having never done it before, of kind of thinking fire is a bad thing, I really broke it down to there's a lot of preparation and we mow around the perimeter, depending on what it is. If it borders up to a road, we might not mow, but if it's kind of an internal block, we'll mow around it, leaf blow it all so it's practically bare earth and then start burning the unit that we were looking at. And the flames really aren't that high. You could very easily step Mm. over them. The, The bonfire in the backyard is almost more intense than what the actual controlled burn is. You said that so wonderfully. It was non-terrifying and it was very educational, but I think I had a vision of just an out-of-control fire that you were all barely managing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's in control, but short of Robert De Niro and Backdraft Mm -hmm. kind of getting us into the the whole fire is magical and has a mind of its own. Yeah, he's the the fire chief, uh, the investigator. I just remember Kurt Russell. Well, he is the only. He is the one and only. Well, your organization was founded in 1950. And the website, I think it's interesting, features a quote from Hugh Hammond Bennett, who was a pioneer in the field of soil conservation in the U.S. And when you Google him, because I didn't know that originally. That may shock some people. I didn't know who Hugh Hammond Bennett was ahead of time. But when you Google him... The top two searches next to him are cinematographer Ray June, Funny Face, Houseboat with Cary Grant, two movies I love. And the next person also Googled is Abraham Lincoln. So this is a very important individual, I think. But thinking about that quote and what he said, how often do you 
look to antiquity for examples or does it not make any sense in the mind of what you're doing? It's good to look back and get those examples and learn from the past. Part of his work was collaborating within the community because through his creation with the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, that it's hard to do good local work from the federal level. And so the conservation districts were those local partners that knew the community, knew the local farmers, and were able to tie groups together to make everything mm -hmm. happen right. and be more successful. And you have your local buy-in and success to be work together. Right. It's interesting because mm -hmm. look forward, always looking forward, always looking forward. But I'm always curious as to how successful leaders and successful people doing good in the community regard the past. Because some people say, no, we really don't look that way. It's not productive. We just like to move forward. But I think that's fascinating. That quote was really cool. So a big part of your role is working with landowners and advising them on invasive species. And I think that this is fascinating because you have to work with so many different people. It could be an individual. So invasive species, if you just live here in, if you hike, you see the signs to the casual individual, how big a problem is this? And what grade would you give our area in regard to what we're doing? It depends on the plant and invasive species. In general, though, we're not doing terrible, but it is good to always have that top of mind. If you're thinking, well, it's a perfectly paved trail or something, why should I bother mm -hmm. doing the boot brush station and things like that? But it's also our pets too. Yeah, the can boot be... brush station, okay. Yeah. How much good am I doing? Am I doing good? I like to feel like I am. You know, we leave nothing, take nothing, but that's a great example. Is it doing good? Should we do it? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely should. And it just keeps you vigilant, too, of training your eye to being kind of responsible in the nature and on the trail to make sure you're picking up after yourself right. and trying to limit your footprint. Literally. Quite literally, In a yes. way. Yeah. Because you see all of these things, and I think organizations do a good job with educating, but your casual hiker. And another question I do have is, we know our area is pretty besieged by tourists and we have some things that are unique to us. Are there any other unique challenges to what you do that people should be aware of? I think it'd be just that initial step of sparking the awareness to make sure in some things we don't know about until it's too big of a problem or it's in the waterways or something like New Zealand mud snail is starting to become much more of an issue. It's in the Manistee River in parts. And so that's one that especially fishermen, anybody with watercraft or people yeah. swimming, you know, it's not just fishermen and as anyone in the river to make sure you're cleaning your waders between stream act, even the same watershed and same tributary between different access sites, because right. it can speed up how quickly that goes through the ecosystem. It's hard for it to balance out interesting so just that initial there is something greater than us out there and other factors at play that right. we don't always know about but it's good just to try to be aware of things and right and have it, it feels know. like an interesting balance because in a way there's something always out to get something else and you mm -hmm. have to look after everything mm -hmm. do you look yeah. at it that way does it blow your mind when you think about the enormity of what you have, even if it's not for the entire planet, but it's your yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be pretty mind boggling sometimes. You're just walking along and kind of one foot after the other, but you do have to pick your head up and look at the whole scale of things and look at the sky beyond that. Right. And it all plays together. 
Right. Another part of what you do, especially with these landowners, is help with attracting wildlife. Because, okay, it's good to talk about what we don't want and shake our fists at those things, but I think it's good to talk about some positive things. So what is happening in the wildlife dating scene? There's not a Tinder, I'm guessing. So how are we getting wildlife to attract? Yeah, sometimes it can be as simple as cutting a single tree down. Or it could be doing a timber stand improvement and select cutting out numerous trees and acres of your property. So something like a lot of grouse, turkey, deer, they all love young aspen trees. Mm -hmm. So if you see, a lot of hunters know this, if there's areas of freshly cut aspen, a few years after it's been logged is a huge flush of growth and that's the forest healing themselves. And all of those younger aspen the songbirds, grouse, turkey, deer, they all love it and flock to that area. Definitely you can see travel patterns alternated by that new habitat. Interesting. (laughs) So where are places people can find out more about that? Let's say you are listening to this and this sounds because what you're doing and the more you look into your website, the more you look into it, even as just a regular individual Mm -hmm. who lives here, it looks fascinating. It looks in some way easy to become part of this kind of movement, as it were. Mm-hmm. So are there places you can go? Let's say you want to start attracting wildlife now. Yeah. So some of it, we will schedule site visits. It's just they're looking to do, they only have three acres, and but cutting that one tree on the border, that's a little no man's land that borders up to somebody else's property. They could cut that one tree. There's programs with the American Bird Conservancy that they have some cost share funds if you're looking at larger scale projects that would benefit songbirds in particular. Mm -hmm. And NRCS, Natural Resource Conservation Service, Mm -hmm. I had to get the acronym right in my head. Well done. They have federal cost share funds as well to do things on a larger scale, especially if you're looking at something that's more than what you can do yourself. They can help those funds to get in larger equipment or machinery. What if you are somebody who lives in the more urban of our areas for us. You're mm-hmm. in a modest house, your next door neighbors can't reach out and touch them, but they're close enough. Mm-hmm. If you're that person, you're that family, can you do something as well? Absolutely. Pollinators, native plants are their best friends. And that's something you could really easily do in a porch pot. Or if you have just a small yard, you can incorporate a few native plants to okay. support native to... bees and butterflies and moths and all of those things that they play a key role in pollinating our food. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So this may be a historic first. You're saying attract the bugs. Absolutely. Which in turn- That's a pretty good uh, pull quote as well from this one. Attract those bugs. Yep. And then on larger landscapes, we're able to do that. It does bring in birds and kind of work your way up the food chain to larger and larger critters. Excellent. So permaculture. Mm -hmm. This is something I think you're passionate about. Very much so. On the street, if you saw it on a sign somewhere, do you think most people would recognize what that means? Probably not. Probably not. Can you shed a little light? It is a permanent, literally plan the word permaculture. It can be an edible landscaped item or just flowering plant to benefit other insects and birds that might eat the berries. Sometimes it's just as simple as a tree. Other times it's lower growing plants and grasses, vines up the trunk of the tree, and then a fruiting apple on top of it. So it's kind of an all-in-one 
edible landscape, sure. if you will. How does composting come into play with this? Does it at all? A little bit. You can use your compost depending on where your soil is, especially Kalkaska County. We have Kalkaska sand, the mm -hmm. state soil, that does not have a lot of nutrients in it. But if you add things like compost, it can increase how much water retention is in the soil. So you water less. And then all those nutrients feed your plants. So it's easier. Right. You know, it's a all-in-one system. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, the website, which is kalkaskaconservation.org, correct? Mm -hmm. It talks about a three-year plan. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to where you are in that? And can you find further information about what's going on there? Yeah, our three-year plan seems like we're always updating it just by way of what community partners that we might meet at different events or what interests or... So right now, we are putting a lot more effort in a lot of our school programming mm -hmm. and kind of K-12 outreach. Right. We've done a lot of adult programming in the past, like nature hikes and things, but we haven't gotten much into the school systems to help do like get kids outside and in nature. So we last year, we started and brought back a conservation tour mm -hmm. where we took the kids out. I think we were fourth graders from Kalkaska schools, and they visited active farm, active forest logging site, and then a wetland area. And we got to talk about what's cool about each different one and look at this is why it matters. Wetlands are a sponge and prevents flooding and yeah. kind of all the ecosystem services. So that's an area we've started to focus a lot in kind of working towards long term one thing we're going to start adding on is trying to search for our own property that way we could do community gardens and have a permanent outdoor sure. classroom space education that we, that we can yeah. invite people in adult groups township groups any lake association right. that we can talk about things and then also get kids there and tour them about the property and show them what trees are what and how things interact Certainly. yeah well and that seems to be very important. The more organizations we talk to here, education for the young is important. And, and just talking to as many folks as we have here, there's so many pulls on time for kids now. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this is an easy one to get them out to. You get to be outside, mm -hmm. you get to be in nature, but maybe that's not true. Is, is it a pretty easy sell to get the younger folks involved? Sometimes. Depends on the age group, whether they're in one single classroom all day or the older students get, they tend to bounce around classrooms. That's where it gets a little bit right. more complicated. Kind of our stronger connection right now, the SEEDS after school program, we've been working with them at Forest Area School. Excellent. And we're starting to work with them this year at Rapid City Elementary. That's fantastic. Um, and they're, the SEEDS program is great. They do a lot of outside things already. Yeah. So it's just kind of nice to give them a break and kind of another captive speaker the kids attention and can show them different things that they don't Absolutely. get to do every week that's wonderful and you have a partnership with tart correct or do you work with the tart system not too closely we work more with the north country trail association and the grand traverse hiking right. club so Excellent. there's a lot of cross-pollination but right. um, a lot of similar similar missions yeah. everybody wanting the same thing which is wonderful to see mm -hmm. and you were quoted in an article as saying that you can be out on a walk and you'll notice a plant that you just haven't seen before. I find that marvelous that you can still have that. But as somebody who's trying to be very effective in their position, are you able to turn this off? Can you just be in nature and just maybe enjoy it and take a breath? Or It's hard sometimes. 
it definitely takes a lot of work to train that work part of your brain off to just, I'm going to listen to the trees and the wind and the birds and everything happening without going, oh, wait, I think that's a this on the leaf or I something. I find it fascinating. You could look at something and be like, come here. Yeah. Have you seen anything like that before? I would 100 times mm-hmm. on a 900 say, nope, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you that that looked different. And I think yeah. it's fascinating that you could, mm-hmm. but it's still hard to just maybe not, maybe see something and be like, I'm going to come back to you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty hard to turn that off. Or I'll take a picture and it might be in the winter that I finally go, oh yeah, I had to look up whatever plant that right. was I didn't know. Well, I suppose there are worse things to be obsessed about. That's true. But... So anybody seeking balance, seeking employment in this area, you've talked about a couple of things about how you got here. Do you have any advice as to what could get somebody inspired and what they can do to be a part of this? Yeah, I'd say some of it is the more you're outside, the more you notice about the natural world. And kind of for me, it's like, almost building a friendship of knowing what the trees are or what the plants are and kind of just following that passion or the seasonality of it, depending on where, with the leaves falling right now, it's really easy to get excited about kind of the, some of the science behind what causes the colors, but to look at just staying in, in that world and sharing that passion and kind of learning more about it is, is kind of the thing that keeps you there is just always learning something even if it's a small nugget but to learn something new every day about it you don't have to read a whole textbook but just a small little nugget to stay in that and to share it with others yeah and that moving it forward and respect for nature and you're giving something to somebody else Mm -hmm. down the road maybe a stranger but it's still okay Mm -hmm. yeah traverse city business news it was last year you were nominated as one of the, or celebrated as one of the 40 under 40. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. So what are you looking forward to as the next accolade you'd like to be a part of? What would be the next thing you'd like to be a part of that celebratory? It's a good question. I don't know that I've thought about it because I've been kind of in the trenches. You're very humble and I'm not surprised, but let's maybe work through it here. That's true. Yeah. Right now I've been just in the trenches of coming up with fall and winter programming for the district of what that might look like, but kind of long-term of we're really in the place of kind of getting our own community center or nature center to having a permanent office. So that would be something I would love to see come to fruition in the next few years to be able to open more of a center and certainly the Grand Traverse Conservation District and their Boardman Nature Center is a prime example. I don't know that we'll get quite to that scale. We've got some work to go to get there, but to have that place of our own, that's something that I'm really looking forward to in the near future. And certainly just pursuing some other certification classes, like some wilderness first aid type classes as I've done some basic first aid as we host hikes, but to kind of get some of those certifications and pursue on to another direction. Right. Well, there's yeah. something to be said about pursuing knowledge and being rewarded for that, but also, like you said, seeing the benefit all around you. And hopefully, mm-hmm. again, you get to the point where you can take that hike and take that mm-hmm. breath in mm-hmm. and go, okay, I'm enjoying this and let that one mystery plant go for the day. Yeah. But yeah. we thank you, of course, for what you're doing and, and what you're encouraging others to do. How can any of our listeners or anybody support the Kalkaska Conservation District? There's a few ways. First, we host events on a monthly basis. So just participating in some of the events. I send out a monthly newsletter that all of those are listed on. They're on our website and our Facebook accounts as well. 
So we try to get those out enough ahead of time to participate either in the hike or if we have more complex project, like Mm. we just wrapped up this weekend, a tree planting project. So volunteering to help us plant trees the day of or the weeks before we had a volunteer help. We rented a piece of equipment to auger and drill the holes. That way we're not hand digging 14 to 15 holes in the morning of. Right, right. So kind of volunteering behind the scenes that way the event can go smoothly. Excellent. And all that you can find on the website, which again, we said is calcascaconservation.org, correct? Correct. So volunteer opportunities. Do you look towards donation opportunities as well? We have. There's a local family that donated every year in honor of their grandfather that lived out on Blue Lake. So we've done some tree planting with them to honor him as well. That's wonderful. That's extraordinary. That's the way to stay immortalized. Yeah, definitely. And and to celebrate family. And when there's passion, it's nice to be able to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Again, calcascaconservation.org is the website. And Renee, thank you so much for your pursuits and to all those who pursue along with you, working with your team, volunteers and partners to continue to preserve, steward and grow the natural beauty of Calcasca County. And thank you so much to all of you for listening and for pursuing the positive. Once again, thank you so much for joining us for another episode on the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of Kalkaska Conservation District. For more information and to get involved, visit kalkaskaconservation.org. Thank you to Renee for coming in today and sharing their mission with us. And as always, for all things audio video podcasting, check us out at newleonard.com. <laughs>